You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is What Are We Doing with the Health Message, Episode 3 with Walt Cross. Good afternoon. Isn't it beautiful out there? Boy, again, I went outside right before and took a deep breath and you know, you just don't do that down in the city. Good fresh air. Oh. I was um, sitting, talking with a gentleman who had type 2 diabetes and his wife. And I was sitting there in the chair and we were working through the plan that this gentleman needed to do to address his type 2 diabetes and also he had hypertension. And Meredith came over, she was over here, and she came over and she got me. And she normally doesn't come and get me when I'm involved with somebody, helping someone. She says, I need your help. So I knew it must be serious. So I got up and I walked across and there was a lady over here and she was crying. And I asked, what's wrong? And she says, my husband is very sick. And um, the doctor says he's a 10 of 10 in severity. I don't know what that level was measured from but it was a 10 of 10 in severity and uh he's going to die and she says i just came from the pharmacy and they said that every drug had been used to uh to address this situation they said there's no more drugs to to be used and they say go across the street and see if walt can help you and so she was there her husband had a con- How many of y'all have heard of MRSA? Well, when a person has MRSA, you use a drug called vancomycin, or at least we used to when I worked in healthcare. So he ha- this gentleman had VRE, which is vancomycin resistant. It's a staph infection that's resistant to methicillin antibiotics and resistant to vancomycin. And they tried everything. And his severity was 10 of 10, according to the um, physician. She says, please, and she's crying, help my husband. I said, does your husband believe in God? She goes, nope. Uh, I said, uh, I, I have something. I've never used it for this before. But if there's any healing, it's going to be God that's going to heal your husband. Are you willing to try it? She says, I'm willing to try anything. I want my husband to live. So I went and got it and I brought it back over and Mary Lou was there and I was there and And I said, do you mind if we pray with you that God will bless this and and heal your husband? She says, I don't care. I want my husband to live. So both I prayed, Mary Lou prayed, and the lady left. She um, came back a week later, smiling, all happy. And she says, my husband is much better. He's a 4 out of 10 in severity. He had dropped from a 10 out of 10 to a 4 out of 10. And again, I don't know the measurement tool he was using, but he's much better. And she's gone again. Two weeks later, two weeks later, she comes back in and she says, all happy. She says, my husband is totally healed. There's no infection. It's, It's totally gone. And... My husband believes in God. And she left. And I didn't hear anything else out from her until last year. Last year, I was standing by the herb cabinet and I was doing some work. We've got a big old herb cabinet that 
bowl almost as big as, well, probably almost as half the size of that, that screen that we get herbs for folks. And um, I was there working at the herb cabinet, and this lady comes up and she says, can you give me a, a recipe of something that would help my husband? He needs to quit smoking. Something would help him with that. Do you have anything? I said, sure. And she has pen and paper. And, and I said, you want to use um, a three-fourths of a cup of lemon juice, a fourth of a cup of honey, and a third of a teaspoon of peppermint essential oil. She says, I got it. And she starts heading out the door. And I said, but wait a minute. As she's heading out the door, I said, don't forget the most important part. As she sticks her head back in, she says, is it the honey or the lemon juice or the peppermint? I said, prayer. Don't forget to pray. And she says, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no, ma'am. And so she comes back in and she says, she starts to tell the story. And I remembered it was this lady who had come in years ago. Now, this is last year, so we're looking at probably over 10 years, 10, 11 years ago this happened. She comes back in. She's, and I said, ma'am, i got several questions for you. I said, did it ever come back? Did the VRE ever come back? She goes, it never came back. I said, so your husband's doing well. She says, yes, he's doing great. No problems. I said, i got another question. Does your husband still believe in God? She says, oh, yes, with this huge smile. I said, I have a third question. You left before I could even ask you before. Do you believe in God? And she says, oh, yes, and with even a bigger smile. And she says, it all happened right here. And she was standing exactly where she had been years before. All happened right here. I said, so what are you all doing? She says, oh, we're very involved in the Lincoln Baptist uh uh, uh, church and she said it's great we're doing very well now I don't know what God has in plan for them but if God can take them from both of them not at all believing in God total atheist and they're very involved if Christians today I think God has big things planned for those folks today I'd like to speak on something that uh, is a powerful subject God's prescription. Does God have a prescription? I will tell you that this prescription is different than the way I was trained. I will tell you that Mary Lou and I had a big argument driving through New York City over this topic soon after we got married. See, Mary Lou had acute myelocytic leukemia when she was 15. For a year and a half, she was on chemotherapy. And then, boom, one day, God just plumb healed her. As we were driving through New York City on the way up to the Adirondacks, she, we were talking. She says, I'll never do chemotherapy again. And I said, no, you will. I'm your husband. You're my wife. I, won't, I don't want you to die. Yes, you'll do chemotherapy if something happens. If you get cancer again, she says, no, I won't. Well, we argued for a while. 10, 11 years ago, Mary Lou got cancer again. Fortunately, I had left allopathic health care. And so I was on the same track as she was, and she's still sitting with us here today. No cancer. It's been gone for 10 years. So I'm going to share some things today that may shake you up a little bit. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your love. 
We thank you for healing such as you did on this man who had no hope at all under allopathic health care. Everything had been thrown at him. Nothing. And a simple herb like garlic. You used it. And this man's still alive today and very strong Christian. And his wife. Lord, transform our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share with y'all a quick little video. Let's see if it works here. There once was a town called Allopath. It had many people, streets, and cars. But due to budget limitations, there were no stop signs. We just keep going. Pedal to the metal. Not surprisingly, traffic accidents were common. Look out! Ah! crash into each other at nearly every intersection. Did I do that? Oh As the population of Allopath grew, traffic accidents increased to an alarming level. I've been in another accident. That's three today. Out of desperation, the city council hired Dr. West, the doctor of the motor division, MD, to find a solution. Dr. West spent days examining traffic accidents on an hourly rate. I see. It looks lucrative. Must analyze. The townspeople of Allopath watched on with great curiosity while Dr. West went about his work. This guy's good. What's he doing? After weeks of investigations, Dr. West called the people of Allopath to a town meeting for release of his report. Here it is. Traffic accidents are caused by skid marks. I have found and documented a near 100% correlation between traffic accidents and skid marks. Oh. This town has skid marks disease. Why didn't I think of that? I should have thought of it with my brain. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. It's amazing. The city paid Dr. West his consulting fee, then asked the good doctor to propose a method for treating this skid marks disease. I recommend a particular chemical coating, Teflon. 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 Oh, no, no, Teflon. The city immediately placed a large order with the chemical company that manufactured rhodoceuticals. Within weeks, the streets were completely coated and the skid marks all but disappeared. But things weren't well in the open. Traffic accidents were grouped. Hospital beds were overflowing with injured residents. The town economic advisor, observing the sharp increase in economic activity, announced that Allopath was booming. Times are good. Things are great, except that we're getting creamed. But the traffic accidents continued to increase. And yet, there were no... Not again. It keeps happening. I thought we had this figured out. we got to get to the bottom of this. Well, the city council was baffled. They thought they had solved this problem. You said it! They called a town meeting, and following a short discussion of the problem... Hey, who's that old guy? An old hermit who lived in the forest... Just outside Allopath, addressed the, the town. How's that old guy? There's no such thing as skid marks disease. No skid marks disease? Outrageous! This disease was invented by the Rotoceuticals Company to sell you Teflon coatings. That's crazy talk. This is a simple problem. All we need to do is build shop signs and traffic lights. Then the traffic accidents will cease. Crazy. You must take up the Teflon. He's a nut. A big mud. Preposterous! The townspeople were horrified to hear such a statement. 
Personally, I'm horrified to hear such a statement. They knew Skidmark's disease existed. Dr. West had told them so. But what may happen if stop signs actually work? How will that affect our booming economy in Alapath? It was at that moment that most of the townspeople realized their own jobs were at stake. If stop signs were built, nearly everyone would be unemployed. Yeah, what about them? We'll all lose our livelihoods! They all had jobs in emergency response services, car repair shops, hospitals, and Teflon coating maintenance. It was important that everyone continue to believe that Skidmark's disease was the cause of the accidents. Out of fear of losing this economic prosperity, the townspeople voted to create a new public safety agency, the Frequent Drivers Association. The FDA's board members were chosen from among the business leaders of the community. The owner of the car shop, the owner of the ambulance company, and, of course, Dr. West. <laughs> Soon after its inception, the FDA announced that Skidmark's disease was indeed very real. This pleased the townspeople of Alapath. With the FDA, they knew their jobs were safe. They still had a lot of traffic accidents, but at least their jobs were secure. And so life continued in Alapath. For a short while, at least. As traffic accidents continued at a devastating rate, more and more residents of Allopath were injured. Many were left unable to work due to their injuries. In time, population dwindled. The once booming town of Allopath eventually became little more than a ghost town. No one was any healthier or happier or longer lived. And the hermit? He outlived every single resident of Alapath. In his spare time, he constructed stop signs, waiting for the next population to come along and hoping they might listen to an old hermit with a crazy idea. And that so-called crazy idea is simply this. The mere treatment of symptoms is not the answer. When it comes to your health and well-being, looking and feeling younger, avoiding diseases, increasing your energy, and living a long and fulfilling life, prevention and real cure are the only real answer. Would you agree? You know, so often we have folks lined up, uh, so often people come in and they have health issues and they want a because they're concerned about side effects, they come in and they're looking for a healthy pill. They're still using the treating signs and symptoms mentality, and they're not getting to root cause. And so you still, the, the root cause is what in that story? Stop signs and traffic lights. And it still all falls down to lifestyle, those eight laws that we talked about. But let's take a look. Are there challenges that we know of with pharmaceuticals? Prescription drugs, and I'm reading from A-plus Corporation, prescription drug use is increasing rapidly. Between 1997 and 2016, a number of prescriptions filled in the United States rose from around 2.4 billion to over 4.4 billion, or about an 85% increase. So not only did the drug use go up, the, the use go up, but also the cost went up. Now I used to have pharmacies that I oversaw. There is huge, huge profits in pharmacies. And games that we played to get more money 
in using that. And I won't go into that. Top 10 prescribed drugs in, in 2018. Lipitor, uh, levothyroxine, uh, lisinopril, amylodipine, uh, lasartan, uh, amoxicillin, uh, hydrocodone and acetaminophen, uh, uh, Adderall, prednisone, metformin. Anybody know those drugs? Do those drugs have challenges? Do they have side effects? They do. Adverse drug reactions. And we're going to look at a couple things here. Adverse drug reactions is one. An adverse drug reaction is an injury caused by taking medication. ADRs uh, may occur following a single dose or prolonged administration of a drug or result from the combination of two or more drugs. The meaning of this expression differs from the meaning of side effect. So we're not talking side effects. We're talking, and we'll come, we'll come to that later. Adverse drug events refer to any injury occurring at the time a drug is used. Uh, an injury is the key word here. Why should we learn about adverse drug reactions? This is a seminar that was given to healthcare providers. And here's what it says. Over 2 million serious ADRs yearly in the United States, 100,000 deaths yearly, 100,000 deaths a year. ADRs, fourth leading cause of death ahead of pulmonary disease, diabetes, AIDS, pneumonia, accidents, and automobile deaths. Ambulatory patient uh, ADR rates unknown. Uh, nursing home patient ADR rates, uh, ADR rate 350,000 a year. Cost associated with ADRs, $136 billion a year, greater than uh, total cost of cardiovascular and diabetic care. ADRs cost, uh, cause one out of five injuries or deaths per year to hospitalized patients. Mean length of stay, cost, mortality for ADR patients are double that for control patients. And again, you'll notice here, this has been several years, and this is the last, the most recent I could find. You know, it takes several years for the government to come up with numbers. Why are there so many ADRs? Again, this is training for healthcare providers. Two-thirds of patients' visits result in a prescription. Again, why are there so many adverse drug reactions? Two-thirds of, pa two of patient visits result in a prescription. 2.8 billion outpatient prescriptions, 10 per person in the United States, filled in 2000. And that's a low number. Uh, Tennessee, we do a great job. Pharmacists are the largest, most powerful lobbyist in the state of Tennessee. Uh, I remember back when I was working in regular healthcare and geriatric population, the average uh, per script was 18 scripts per patient. ADRs uh, increase exponentially with four or more medications. Uh, contribution of drug interactions to the overall burden of uh, preventable ADRs. Drug interactions represent three to five percent of preventable in-hospital ADRs. Uh, drug interactions are an important contributor to number of uh, ER visits and hospital admissions. We're looking at a cause here. Antibiotic resistance. Anybody ever heard of that? Antibiotic resistance has been called one of the world's most pressing public health concerns. Over the last decade, almost every type of bacteria has become stronger and less responsive to antibiotic treatment when it is really needed. These antibiotic-resistant bacteria can quickly spread to family members, schoolmates, co-workers, 
threatening the community with a new strain of infections, infectious disease that is more difficult to cure and more expensive to treat. For this reason, antibiotic resistance is among CDC's top concerns. This is the National Center for uh, Immunization and Respiratory Disease, Division of Bacterial Diseases. Upper respiratory infections account for three quarters of all antibiotics prescribed by office-based physicians. Upper respiratory infections account for three quarters of all antibiotics prescribed by office-based physicians. And upper respiratory infections are simple, simple to address. More than 10 million courses of antibiotics are prescribed each year for viral conditions that do not benefit from antibiotics. More than, I don't know how much more, more than 10 million courses. That's not doses, that's courses of antibiotics are prescribed each year for viral conditions. Are antibiotics are for what? Bacteria. Are they going to work for a virus? Why is the doctor prescribing the antibiotic? Because mom is wanting it. You are wanting it. I, I went to the doc. I need something. And so they're prescribing it. I remember I was walking down the hallway one day with my medical director. And we were going along. And he said, Walt, I want to look at every order that's written for an antibiotic. I said, why? We have 30-some attending physicians. They don't want you looking over their shoulder. What's going on? He said, well, now this has been back, this was back in the 90s. Gentleman's about to retire. He said, Walt, we are using cannons when a BB gun would work someday. If we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to have superbugs. That man's dead. Was he foretelling the future? Did he see what was coming? He sure did. Antibiotic resistance bacteria is a public health crisis, according to State Hygiene Laboratory, uh, Hygienic Laboratory at the University of Iowa. Antibiotic resistant bacteria is a public health concern. It says crisis. Medical errors. Now, medical errors are different from medication errors, but I'm sharing this with you just to see what we're dealing with out with you and to show you why one day I went home to Mary Lou. And I said, I don't care if I dig ditches. My daddy told me, he says, son, well, we lived on a farm. He says, son, I don't care if you dig ditches. As long as it's legal and ethical, I'm good with it. I came home, told Mary Lou, I said, I don't care if I dig ditches. What I'm doing is legal, but it's not ethical. There's a problem here and we're not fixing it. We called it amongst administrators, the game. Medical errors. John Hopkins patient safety experts have calculated that more than 250,000 deaths per year are due to medical errors in the United States. A quarter of a million people. More than. More than. Johns Hopkins team says the CDC's way of collecting national health statistics fails. Fails to classify medical errors separately on the death certificate. The researchers are advocating for updated criteria for classifying deaths on death certificates. So if it is not accurately identified. Are we missing some of them? Probably most what they're recommend, what they're hinting is yes. So we're already got a quarter of a million It's probably a lot more. It's just not a place for this. According to the CDC in 2013, again, in, in healthcare statistics, it, it takes a few years for it to, to come out. So it's could be worse today. Okay, for heart disease, we're looking at the four top deaths in the United States. Heart disease is number one. 
611,105 people die each year of heart disease. 584,881 die of cancer. And that heart disease, it's mostly reversible, mostly preventable. Cancer, mostly preventable. Number three, 250,000 plus died from medical errors. The next one down the list, the number four, cause of death in the United States was down to 149,205, and that was chronic respiratory disease. The newly calculated figure for medical errors puts this cause of death behind cancer, but ahead of respiratory disease. And this is Johns Hopkins Medical News and Publication. Now let's look at medication errors. Anybody know what a medication error is? Fortunately, we have computers today. Back, we were just getting into them and had used them for a while, but we were still using MARs, handwritten MARs back years ago. And I can tell you that they weren't always accurate. Medical error is a preventable adverse effect of care uh, whether or not is evident or harmful to the patient, this might include an inaccurate or incomplete diagnosis, treatment of disease, injury, syndrome, uh, behavior, infection, or other ailment. I'm sorry, this is medical error, not medication error. But a medical error, that's the definition. Now let's look at medication errors. Uh, Food and Drug Administration estimates that 1.3 million people are injured by medication errors annually in the United States. 1.3 million People. I remember a nurse called me one time. She says, Walt, she says, I, gave, I read the MAR wrong, and I gave the patient way too much morphine PO by mouth, fortunately, by mouth. What do I do? I said, protocol. Charcoal. That was a protocol. She gave the patient the charcoal, boom, there was no adverse reaction. Uh, fortunately, there was no adverse event from that, but she just read the MAR wrong. Medic administration medication uh, record. Side effects. Now, a lot of folks are more familiar with side effects. Why? Because that's what happens to y'all. Y'all know that because you get the leg cramps, you get the nausea, you get the stomach aches, you get the sweats or whatever it may be. So what are side effects? Side effects is usually regarded as an undesirable secondary effect, which occurs in addition to the desired therapeutic effect of a drug or medication. Side effects may vary uh, for each individual, depending on the person's disease state, their age, their weight, their gender, their ethnicity, and the general health. Side effects occur can occur when commencing, decreasing, increasing dosages, or ending a drug or medication regimen. And this is from drugs.com. This is the definition. Many side effects of medications may not be reported. Why? You may not have told them you have whatever. You may not have told them you have whatever. Unless you tell them, they don't know it. Was it sent up the chain to FDA? This is the physician desk reference. Anybody ever seen this book? Yes. Now, I remember I was, I was teaching this class at Loma Linda Medical School. Can you imagine someone teaching this at Loma Linda? Do you think that I had some opposition to what I'm about to share? I had a line literally is from here to that back door of folks wanting to chew me out. Telling me that the drugs of yesteryear 
was they were bad drugs, but today drugs are not harmful. I said, do you have a PDR? I got one. Go read your PDR. It will tell you the side effects. It will tell you the contraindications. It will tell you the problems. And then even PDR, Guide to Drug Interactions, Side Effects and Indications. So they even got one now for that. So you can't say the argument that drugs are safe today and when what I'm about to share with you was written, all those drugs were bad back then, but today drugs are totally safe. Serious side effects of commonly prescribed drugs. These are serious side effects. Cancer, death, heart issues, infection, kidney damage, liver damage, pancreatitis, stroke, suicide. I will be visiting uh, someone or I'll uh, be at a, one of, uh, uh, another fire department and they have the television on and a drug commercial comes on. You ever listen to that? Cause death, cause stroke, and you're going, do these people listen to this? Okay, common side effects. Nausea, diarrhea, rash, yeast infection, fever, weight gain, insomnia, nervousness, drowsiness, weakness, sweating, vomiting, nosebleeds, nasal irritation, heartburn, fatigue, dizziness, drowsiness, chest pain, loss of appetite, leg pain, constipation, bloating, and tinnitus. Now, when people come in and, and sit down with me and they say, I have this problem, this problem, this problem, the first thing I need to look at is what scripts are they on? Because it could be a side effect of their prescriptions. Not something we got to address. We've got to address the side effect of a prescription. Now we've got to... Okay, now why are you taking the prescription? Now actually what we have to deal with is the cause for, for what they're using the prescription for. If you cor correct that cause, then they don't have to use the prescription. Then when you get rid of the prescription, you get rid of this stuff. See what I'm saying? And we used to in our psych patients, y'all who've worked in, in healthcare for a while, remember these days, I remember we used to stack. And they maybe still stack today. You'd stack psych patients. They, they would act this way, so we'd give them another one, and you'd give them another one, and stack, and stack, and it becomes the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And then what we'd do is we'd send them to, like, Moccasin Bend Hospital down in Chattanooga, and where they would just go and plumb take them off everything and start stacking again. And, okay, come on back. Or, you know, we'll work with you now. The gospel and the medical missionary work are to advance together the gospel is to be bound up with the principles of true health reform. What's an important word there? True. So if there's true, can there be false? Let's look at this one. Education. Can there be true education and false education? Yes. So the same, there can be true health and false health. Would you agree? So where do we go for true education? That's a great book to start with. So where do we go for true health? Let's look. Our ministers should become intelligent upon this question. They should not ignore it, nor be turned aside by those who call themselves as extremists. 
let them find out what constitutes true health reform and teach its principles, both by precept and by a quiet, consistent example. God desires that now, as never before, the minds of the people shall be deeply stirred to investigate the great temperance question and the principles underlying true health reform. So there must be true health, just as there is true education. Now, I got a call from the bank one morning. It was the bank, uh, the person who's over the bank, director, president, whatever it is, the, dis, uh, the branch manager, that's what it is, the branch manager. And she said, Walt, I need you to come down to the bank. I said, what's wrong? She said, I need you to either bring a $100 bill or sign this. I said, sign what? She says, uh, one of your $100 bills yesterday was fake. And I said, I used a pen. She said, come on down. So I went on down there. And uh, I said, I used the pen. She said, well, they have figured out how to put a product on there now. And, and your pen looks like it's real money. Your pen's worthless. So what do I do? She says, what you do is you come over here and see his right shoulder there. She says, you take your thumb and you scratch on it. And if it's rough, it's real. If it's not rough, it's fake. It's false. She says, then you can take a toothpick and see that blue th thread going through there? She says, you take your toothpick and slide it up underneath that piece there and it will go plumb through there and it'll go through the next one under, 4th of, under July and slide it up under the other one. She says, the counterfeiters can't do that. So if you deal with money, you want, you've got to learn what is the real thing so that you can identify the fake thing. So how do we do that in health? Let's look at the real thing. Education for education. But let's look at some books. This book right here changed my career. A guy by the name of Bob Jorgensen. Some of y'all may know Bob. We joined the church where he, where he, uh, he was at. And he asked me, um, he said, Walt, would you, um, would you preach for some Sabbath? I'd never preached before. I got up plenty of times and spoke on health issues, but never preached at church. But if that's... You know what God wants me to do? I'll do it. And he gave me like a month. He, I said, what do you want me to preach on? He goes, he hands me this book. He says, read this book and preach on what it says inside. Well, see, Bob is a wise man. He didn't say, Walt, you're in health care and you're in the wrong part of health care. That's the false side. You need to get out of there. Bob was wise. He gave me this book to read and then he said, read it well enough you can preach on it. Between reading that and then seeing what was going on, it caused me then to make that decision that I came home and told Mary Lou I was changing occupations. Another good book, Councils and Diet and Foods. Great source to see true health versus false health. How about this one, Temperance? Very good book. Medical Missionary is a great, uh, Ministry is a great book. How about Mind, Character, and Personality? Great two volumes, great two volumes. If you want to understand the brain uh, better, great two volumes to help you there. The true method for healing the sick is to tell them of the herbs that grow for the benefit of man. Hmm. The true method for healing the sick is to tell them of the herbs that grow for the benefit of man. Now, I will tell you, and it will tell you in a little while, so I, don't, I want to be clear here. 
I don't want to swap a healthy pill for an unhealthy pill. There's place for herbs to address problems, but don't get into the problem to start with. Be proactive, preventive, use those eight laws of health. But when you are dealing with a problem, make sure you're following all those eight laws of health, and then you can use these here. Scientists have attached large names to these simplest preparations, but true education will lead us to teach the sick that they need not call in a doctor any more than they would call a lawyer. They themselves administer the, they can themselves administer the simple herbs if necessary to educate the human family that the doctor alone knows all the ills of infants and persons of every age is false teaching. Ben Carson. You ever read any of Ben Carson's work? Tremendous neuroscientist, surgeon, neurosurgeon. Ben will tell you in his book, the more he understands the brain, the realize, he realizes the more he doesn't understand the brain. If you think you know everything, no, God understands physiology. The sooner we as a people stand on the principles of health reform, the greater will be the blessing that will come to those who would do true medical work. There is a work to be done in treating the sick with water and teaching them to make the most of sunshine and physical exercise. Thus, in simple language, we may teach the people how to prevent, to preserve health, how to avoid sickness. This is the work our sanitariums are called upon to do. This is true science. There are simple herbs and roots that every family may use for themselves and need not call a physician any sooner than they would call a lawyer. She uses that quite often. We had confidence in the use of water as one of God's appointed remedies, but no confidence in drugs. There are many simple herbs which, if our nurses would learn the value of, they could use in the place of drugs and find very effective. In the Savior's manner of healing, there were lessons for His disciples. One on one occasion, he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay and bade him go wash in the pool of Shalom. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The cure could be wrought only by the power of the great healer. Yet Christ made use of the simple agencies of nature. While he did not give countenance to drug medication, he sanctioned the use of simple and natural remedies. So, if God has identified true health, has he also identified false health? Is God going to tell us what is true education and false education? Yes. Is he going to tell us what is true health and false health? Yes. So let's see what he has to say. The light given me was at the sanitarium, uh, that at the sanitarium should be established and that in it medication should be discarded and simple rational methods of treatment employed for the healing of disease in this institution, people were to be taught how to dress, breathe, and eat properly, how to prevent sickness and proper health habits of living. And there may be the arguments that say, but that was a sanitarium. We're talking about a level one trauma center here. Well, let's keep reading. The Lord has taught us that great efficiency of healing lies in the proper use of water. These treatments should be given skillfully. We have been instructed that in our treatment of the sick, we should discard 
we have been instructed that in, the tr in our treatment of the sick, we should discard the use of drugs. There are simple herbs that can be used for the recovery of the sick whose effect on the system is very different from that of drugs that poison the blood and endanger life. Those who make a practice of taking drugs sin against their intelligence and endanger their whole afterlife. There are herbs that are harmless, the use of which will tide over many apparently serious difficulties. But if all who would seek to become intelligent in regard to their bodily necessities, sickness would be rare instead of common. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If we follow those eight laws of health, if we follow, remember there was four conditions that God gave us that we went over. We've got to follow His statutes. statutes. We've got to follow His laws. We've got to obey God. Do what He says and don't do what He says not to do. Is basically what we need to do. It's not just following the eight laws of health. It's, it's, it's what Dr. Vyth has been teaching about, teaching about. It's what every one of these guys have been talking about. It's the, whole, it's the whole thing. It would have been better if, from the first, all drugs had been kept out of our sanitariums and use had been made of such simple remedies as are found in pure water, pure air, sunlight, and some of the simplest herbs growing in the field. These would be just as efficacious as the drugs used under mysterious names and concocted by human scientists. And they would leave no injurious effects in the system. It's interesting. I did a, a study back last year or two, two years ago. And it was actually for coming here for the series that uh, y'all are going to be letting out pretty soon on uh, the kitchen cabinet. And uh, as I was studying for the kitchen cabinet, I was looking to see, and there's a, there's a, uh, a place you can go and look on what causes people to die. There's a whole bunch that people died from drugs. There was only one that died from an herb. It actually was an essential oil. And if I'm not mistaken, it, was, it may have been peppermint. And what happened, a two-year-old toddler walked up. The parents had left it out and the two-year-old toddler went and drank it, and that child died. That is the only case in the government's research of that year that anyone had died from an herb. And it wasn't taking the herb. The child just got in. It could have got into the, the, um, the Clorox that someone left open. In regard to the matter of prayer for the sick, many confusing ideas are advanced. One says, he who has been prayed for must walk out, of, walk out in faith. Give God the glory and make no use of remedies, of, of no remedies. If he is at a health institute, he should leave at once. And I warn you, and I warn y'all out there across the world. This is going on right now. There are people that are saying, no, don't use any medical missionary. Don't use any herbs. Don't use if you want healing. It is only through prayer that that comes and if you have to use lifestyle, the eight laws of health, if you have to use what we're talking about here, then that's lack of faith and it, and it shows you, and it means you think that prayer doesn't work. That is not at all the way God works here. They are wrong. Let me read this again to be clear. In regard to the matter of prayer for the sick, many confusing ideas are advanced and it's still going on today. It was back then. One says, he who has been prayed for must walk out in faith giving God the glory and making no use of remedies. 
If he is at a health institute, he should leave at once. I know that these ideas are wrong and that they, if accepted, they would be led in many evils. Now, does it mean that prayer is not something we should do? Not at all. It is the prayer for God to bless that lifestyle, to bless that herb, to bless that charcoal. We used charcoal here just the other day, and it was very effective. One of the staff members used it on another staff member. Very effective. It is not the charcoal that caused that situation to correct. It is God that caused that to correct, to correct as that staff member prayed that God would bless that charcoal to help that staff member. It is no denial of faith to use rational remedies judicially. Water, air, and sunshine, these are God's leading, are God's healing agencies. The use of certain herbs that the Lord has made to grow for the good of man is in harmony with the exercise of faith. I think it's very clear here. Then shall physicians continue to resort to drugs which leave a deadly evil in the system, destroying that life which Christ came to restore. Christ's remedies cleanse the system, but Satan has tempted man to induce into the system that which weakens the human machinery, clogging and destroying the fine, beautiful arrangements of God. The drug administered to the sick do not restore, but destroy. Do not restore, but destroy. Drugs never cure. Instead, they place in the system seeds that bear a very bitter harvest. But Walt, you don't understand. There's new drugs today. I'm telling you, I have gone and looked up on the computer everywhere it talks about drugs, medication, poison, whatever. Read every bit of it. And not once does it say, but someday, but someday you can use drugs. But someday drugs will be healthier. Never does it say that. It says, no, don't use them. Now, I am not saying to throw your drugs away today. I'll get to that. So don't think I'm plumb crazy there. There are more who die from the use of drugs than all who would have died of disease had nature been left to her own work. It is the Lord's purpose that His method of healing without drugs shall be brought into the prominence in every large city through our medical institutions without drugs. People need to be taught. People need to be taught that drugs do not cure disease. It is true that they sometimes afford present uh, relief and the patient appears to recover as the result of their use. This is because nature has sufficient vital force to expel the poison and to correct the condition that causes the disease. Health is recovered in spite of the drug, but in most cases the drug only changes the form and location of the disease. Often the effect of the poison seems to be overcome for a time, but the results remain in the system and work great harm at some later period. By the use of poisonous drugs, many bring unto themselves lifelong illness, and many lives are lost that may have been saved by the use of natural methods of healing. Medicines have no power to cure, but will most generally hinder nature in her efforts. So, what is God's counsel? What do we do? Those who desire to become missionaries are to hear instruction from competent physicians 
those who desire to become missionaries are to hear instruction from competent physicians. Ooh, that's kind of, that hurts, doesn't it? Who will teach them how to care for the sick without the use of drugs. Share that at an amen conference. Those who sin against knowledge and light and restore to the skill of a physician in administering drugs will be constantly losing their hold on life. The less there is of drug dosing, the more favorable will be their recovery to health. Drugs in the place of helping nature are constantly paralyzing her efforts. In the work of healing, let physicians work intelligently, not with drugs. So what does that mean? They're not working intelligently? By, but by following rational methods. Then let them, by the prayer of faith, draw upon the power of God to stay the progress of disease. There's the power, y'all. This will inspire in the suffering one, uh, suffering one belief in Christ and the power of prayer, and it will give them confidence in our simple methods of treating disease. The gentleman's wife that came in, I never have even met this man. Never. But when his wife came, and they not, both of them did not believe in God, and I shared with them that if, if her husband would live, it would only be because of God healing him, blessing this garlic. And she was willing to try it. It was God that did the healing. And did that man see it? Did he believe in God? An atheist like that? Did she then change from being an atheist and believe in God like that? Yeah. Such work will be a means of directing minds to the truth and will be of great efficacy in the work of the gospel ministry. See, if you say, Mr. So-and-so, I'm your doctor and I'm going to give you this drug and that's what's going to heal you, who do you give credit to? The doctor and the drug. But can we still do the same thing? I'm the medical missionary. I've been trained. I've got this herb and it's going to heal you. And who's the credit go to? You and the herb. But that's not who gets the credit. God gets the credit. And we have to be very, very clear. Why do we do this? Help me, y'all. Three days ago, I gave you the answer. Two days ago. It's the right hand of the gospel. But what is our mission? To point the sin-sick soul to Christ. Not to reverse the diabetes. Not to heal that wound. Yes, we want a, that diabetes to cure. We want that wound to heal for the person, but also to give credit to God that He healed them. So that person now believes in God. It's to point the sin-sick soul to Christ. That's what we're here to do, y'all. Many physicians are not as thorough and intelligent as they should be in the practice of their profession. Oh, here it gets sticky again. They resort to drugs. They're not as thorough and as intelligent. They resort to drugs. When greater skill and knowledge would teach them a more excellent way. Lives have been lost, which might have been saved if drugs had not been resorted to. As a rule, the less frequently they are employed, the better the patient will prosper. When physicians understand physiology in its truest sense, the use of drugs will be very much less. And finally, they will cease to use them at all. 
A physician who depends on drug medication in his practice shows that he does not understand the delicate machinery of the human organism. That was shared two years ago. Amen. Down in um, Hilton Head, Georgia, the last of the meeting, there was no amens. Let me read it again. When a physician understands physiology in its truest sense, their use of drugs will be very much less. And finally, they will cease to use them at all. Do you see a decrescendoing there? And that decrescendoing is based on what? Their understanding of physiology. So do they just go out and say, no, we're not going to give type 1 diabetics any medication anymore? No. Can they reduce them? Absolutely. It's normal. Like the lady I told you about. She's a nurse uh, that just... Uh, this year, we helped. She was at 80 and 85 units a day. She's now at five units a day. That's pretty normal, what we're able to do with the type 1. But I would have been wrong if I said, oh, no, you can just quit using it. Because I don't understand physiology enough to how to take the next step. Now, yes, we've learned the physiology on type 2 diabetes where we don't have to use the drugs anymore and where we see extreme success. How do we get that type 1 totally off? We understand physiology more. And the more we understand physiology, the less dosing of medications. Do you see how that works? You get a person on lenoxin for tachycardia. Do you just plumb stop that naloxone today, nurse? If you plumb stop that lenoxin today, you might kill that patient. So you have to see, you know, again, let me read this again. It's a very, very important statement. We need to understand this. When physicians understand physiology in its truest sense, their use of drugs will be very much less, and finally they will cease to use them at all. The physician who depends on drug medication in his practice shows that he does not understand the delicate machinery of the human organism. In other words, he doesn't understand physiology. We need to spend more time studying physiology instead of pharmacology. The only hope of better things is in the education of the people in right principles. Let physicians teach people that restorative power is not in drugs, but in nature. Drug medication is to be discarded. On this point, the conscience of the physician must ever be kept tender and true and clean. The inclination to use poisonous drugs, which kill if they do not cure, need to be guarded against. Matters have been laid upon open before me in reference to the use of drugs. Many have been treated with drugs and the result has been, what? Death. Our physicians, by practicing drug medication, have lost many cases that need not have died if they had left their drugs out of the sick room. Prayer will give the sick an abiding confidence and many times if their cases are born to the great physician in humble trust, it will do more for them than all the drugs that can be administered. Where's the power? God. That is the power, y'all. The ideal finally seeks to deal out drugs. When you understand physiology in its truest sense, see it keeps coming up. God is very clear here. Medical missionaries, doctors, whoever you are. And who's supposed to be a medical missionary? All. 
So every one of us, every one of y'all out there, we got, oh boy, I start talking Tennessee. I don't have to watch myself. We have to understand physiology. It's critical. When you understand physiology in its truest sense, your drug bills will be very much smaller. And finally, you will cease to deal out drugs at all. Do you see that decrescendoing? You didn't see where it said plum stop, did you? It's, it's decrescendoing as we understand physiology. Now, I have a good friend, Franklin Cobos. Franklin graduated from Loma Linda. Uh, he was an ED physician. And um, he started reading some of these books here. He starts battling in his mind. Wait a minute. What can I do? Well, I, I, you know, I've got a big medical bill to pay. I need to be a doctor to pay that off. How can I be a doctor and follow this? And so Franklin then went, into, went back to school and took anesthesiology. Now, do we need surgery? Sometimes we do and sometimes we may not. If we, if we do the right thing, we may not have to have surgery. But if you're driving home next week and you have a motor vehicle accident, you have a compound fracture of your femur, do you need surgery? Yes, you do. Charcoal poultice ain't going to fix that. A number of years ago, and I was sharing it with one of our physicians here the other two days ago, or maybe it was, it was yesterday. A number of years ago, Mary Lou and I were at a place outside of Chattanooga called Chickamauga Battlefield. Anybody ever heard of Chickamauga Battlefield? It was the last major battle from the south going down to Atlanta. It's the largest battlefield in, in the United States. The battle took place at Snodgrass Hill. Well, the South took Snodgrass, the, Mr. and Mrs. Snodgrass' house, and they used it as a field hospital. And Mary Lou and I just happened to be over there walking one day, and they were doing a reenactment. And we walked in the house, and uh, we didn't know they were doing a reenactment, and we went in and uh, just enjoying the park. And I saw on the kitchen table, there was four things on the kitchen table. There was a medical bag, doctor's bag, black doctor's bag. And then there was a saw, about this long, with very small teeth. So I knew what that was for. And then they had a bottle of liquor, and I knew what that was for. He said, no, he said, unless we could liberate some off the Union troops, he said, we didn't have any drugs for pain. But it was the fourth item I had. I didn't know what they had that in there for. I said, what's this for? He said, that's when the liquor don't work. See, the liquor was poured on to kill any infection and was also used to numb and put the person kind of out a little bit. Well, if they were still squirming pretty bad, they'd take that ball-peen hammer and they'd hit him in the head. I said, now they got a subdural hematoma. Do we need anesthesia? Yes. Unless you want a ball-peen hammer taken to you. And so is there a place for, it says, and I'll show you in a few minutes, there's a place for some medication. Now, maybe we'll come to a time we won't need it. I remember I was taking a, uh, taking a class with Dr. Agatha and she was teaching suturing. And she says, if you want to sew up a place and numb it and not use medication, you can do that. She says, what you do is you take ice and you go around it, not on top of the area, but put it. She said, first of all, is you take your needle and your thread. She's just use an old sewing needle if you need it. If that's all you got, clean it up real good. 
get you some threads to clean it up good and stick it in there and be ready. And then what you do is you numb the area with ice for four minutes. And then she says you have four minutes of suturing. When it starts to hurt again, stop. Put more ice if you aren't finished. Suture again. She says if that doesn't work, four strong men will work. Well, that's not going to work for that fractured femur. You need anesthesia. At least right now to the understanding we have in, in physiology. So do you see what I'm saying? You got to use horse sense. Do y'all know what horse sense is? Common sense. He introduced into this, he is introducing into the system a seed crop that will never lose its destroying properties throughout the lifetime. I tell you this because I dare not withhold it. Christ paid too much for man's redemption to have his body so ruthlessly treated as it has been by drug medication. Does that mean that we just say, oh, well, we don't know about it, and so we can just keep on using drugs? No, it means we need to study. We need to understand physiology. And what's out there now, we need to be using that. And keep studying and studying until, to me, that one I read about three times, to me, that is a promise. That is a promise from God that we can understand physiology where there can be a day that we don't use drugs. Well, it better hurry up fast. Is that right? Because soon it's coming quick, isn't it? So we need to get studying. As to drugs being used in our institutions, it is contrary to the light which the Lord has uh, been pleased to give. Is that serious stuff? When God says do this, is it serious to do something else? The drugging business has done more harm to our world and killed more than it has helped or cured. The light was first given to me why institutions should be established. That is, sanitariums were to perform the medical practices of, uh, reform the medical practices of physicians. And reform, it means quit using drugs. The health retreat was established at a great cost to treat the sick without drugs. It should be conducted with hygienic principles. Medication should be worked away from as fast as possible until entirely discarded. Is that a promise? We better start working fast, y'all, because time is going fast. We're almost finished here. Institutions for the care of the sick are to be established where men and women suffering for disease may be placed under the care of God-fearing physicians and nursing and be treated, what? Without drugs. We just lost our hospital where I am, where we live, Tacoma Hospital. We've lost so, uh, we've lost so many hospitals out there. I could just go down a huge list of hospitals. Why? We're not being blessed. Bottom line. One administrator told me as I shared with him this information, he said, well, I am the most conservative administrator in the whole system. He said, I understand what you're saying. He said, but it is a business, not a missionary event. And will God punish if we don't follow his commands? Why are our hospitals closing? We're not doing what he told us to do. We must have medical instructors who will teach the science of healing without the use of the drugs. Wow. We must have medical 
instructors who will teach the science of healing without the use of drugs. So there must be a way of doing it without drugs. We are to prepare a company of workers who will follow Christ's methods. As children emerge from babyhood, great care should still be taken in educating their tastes and appetite. Often they are per, uh, permitted to eat what they choose and when they choose without reference to health. Uh, the pains and money so often lavished upon unwholesome dainties lead, to young, uh, lead the young to think that the highest object in life that, and that which yields to the greatest amount of happiness is to be able to indulge in the appetite. What's the greatest weapon Satan has against? Appetite. The result of this training is what? Gluttony. Then comes sickness, which is usually followed by the dosing with poisonous drugs. Is this correctable? Yes. There is a disposition with many patients to, do ch uh, to dose children perpetually with medication. I got a call the other day from a lady. Her daughter just had a baby. Well, baby has sickle, sickle cell. And the physician told her that uh, they're in the hospital, that um, they're going to have to start the baby on antibiotics and the child will be on antibiotics until the child is five years old. So I called a good friend of mine up in, uh, uh, in, in D.C. who used to work with me. And uh, I said, help me understand, because he works a lot with sickle. And um, I said, help me understand the physiology. He goes, well, that don't make a lick of sense to me. He says, call back that lady and ask her to ask the doctor. Just say, just tell me, just point of understanding. Why does your baby need to take antibiotics at birth till five for sickle cell? So she asked the physician. And the physician said, well, with sickle cell, you can get infection. And it's just prevention. Just prevention. So I called my buddy back. And I said, you're not going to believe this. He said, what did he say? I said, it's just for prevention. It could get an infection. He says, tell that lady to get another doctor. That is crazy, he says. They always have a supply on hand and when, they, and when any slight indisposition is manifested, caused by overeating or exhaustion, the medication is poured down their throats. And if that does not satisfy him, they send for the doctor. The child is drugged to death. And the parents console themselves that they have done all they could for their child. And wonder why they must die when they did so much to save them. Upon the gravestone of such children should be written, died of drug medication. Is that not serious? That is serious. Could we say that of people? Adults, I mean? Absolutely. God has formed laws which govern our constitutions. And these laws which He has placed in our being are divine. And for every transgression there is an, a fixed a, a penalty which must sooner or later, later be realized. Cause and effect. Remember? If then, cause and effect. The majority of the disease which the human family have been and still are suffering under they have created by ignorance of their own organic laws they seem indifferent in regard to the manner of health, a matter of health, and work uh, perseveringly to tear themselves to pieces. And when broke down and debilitated in body and mind, send for the doctor and drug themselves to death. You ever heard of 
killing yourself by fork? My dear friends, instead of taking a course of baffle, a course to baffle disease, you're petting it and yielding to its power. You should avoid the use of drugs and carefully observe the laws of health. If you regard your life, you should eat plain food prepared in the simplest manner and take more physical exercise. Each member of the family needs the benefits of health reform. Each member of the family needs, benef needs the benefits of health reform. So important. But drugging should be forever abandoned. For while it does not cure any malady, it enfeebles the system, making it more susceptible to disease. Indulging in eating too frequently and in too large quantities overtaxes the digestive organs and produces a feverish state to the system of the system. The blood becomes impure and then diseases of various kinds occur. A physician is sent for who prescribes some drug which gives present relief, but which does not cure the disease. It may change the form of the disease, but the real evil is increased tenfold. Nature was doing her best to rid the system of an accumulation of impurities. And could she have been left to herself, aided by uh, common blessings of heaven, such as pure air and pure water, a speedy and safe cure would have been effected. There are so many people that come in and sit down with Mary Lou or myself, and it's just adjusting the lifestyle. And they're off their medications. Yes, there's still some items out there we may not totally understand today. But the majority of the people who come in, they're off their medications because they change the cause. Remember the illustration I shared with y'all in, the, in uh, kitchen medicine. If you take a piece of sandpaper and you're rubbing your arm and you come and say, oh, let me put some medicine on it. And you put it on it. And when you leave, I'll go back and doing this. And then you come back and you put some medicine on it. And I take it. Is it going to heal? Not until I quit doing this. But it's amazing when I quit doing this and start doing those eight laws of health. And yes, you may use some aloe vera or maybe some some different herbs that can help heal that tissue faster. Some pine sap and and some golden seal if there's infection, and some myrrh, and frankincense. Uh, yes, and be propolis. Yes, it will heal much faster. But you got to stop this. And when you stop this, you can stop the medications when the body heals. Again, my doc told me I was going to die. Uh, that wasn't an option. So I went for another opinion. We stopped the cause, and I'm here 20 years later. Many are unwilling to put forth the needed effort to obtain a knowledge of the laws of life and the simple means to be employed for the restoration of health. They do not place themselves in right uh, relation to life. When sickness is the result of the transgression of natural law, they do not seek to correct their errors. And there's the problem. I don't want to change. I keep wanting to eat. I still want to eat my, my donuts, my hog jowl and chitlins, my biscuits and gravy and my bacon where I'm from. Whatever it may be out there. And then ask the blessing of God when they do not seek to correct their errors, but they resort to the physicians. If they recover health, they give the drugs and the doctors all the honor. Do you see the problem? 
They are ever ready to idolize human power and wisdom, seeming to know no other God than the Creator. Dust and ashes. Now I want you to listen to this one. This one's very, very serious, and I'm, I'm right about finished. Those who will gratify their appetite and then suffer because of their intemperance and take drugs to relieve them may be assured that God will not interpose to save uh, health and life which are so recklessly perilled. The cause has produced the effect. The cause has produced the effect. Many, at their last resort, follow the directions of the Word of God and request the prayers of the elders of the church for their restoration to health. But here's what God says. God does not see fit to answer prayers offered in behalf of such. Why? He knows that if they should be restored to health, they would again sacrifice it upon the altar of unhealthy appetite. Do you know it actually says, I have a hard time with this one at church, y'all. We get all kinds of when it's time to have prayer at church, you know, the kneeling prayer and all these we have a big church and all these problems from cancer to heart disease to whatever comes. And we're asking God to heal these people. And I didn't put it up here, but inspiration says. That unless that person. Is willing to make the change. There's another place that also, but it's very similar to this one. That God may not answer that prayer that I'm I'm asking. Why? Because he knows that those people aren't going to change those lifestyles. Do you see the problem there? So what do we do now? Our people should become intelligent in the treatment of sickness without the aid of poisonous drugs. Many should seek to obtain an education that will enable them to combat disease in its various forms by most simple methods. Thousands have gone down to the grave because of the poisonous drugs who might have been restored to health by simple methods of treatment. People need to be taught that drugs do not cure disease. It is true that they sometimes afford present relief and the patient appears to recover as a result of their use. This is because nature has sufficient vital force to expel the poison and to correct the condition that has caused the disease. Health is recovered in spite of the drug, but in most cases, the drug only changes the form and location of the disease. Often the effects of the poison seem to be overcome for a time, but the results remain in the system and work great harms some later period. And we read that already, but I want you to see that again. Do not wait, allowing the enemy to take possession of the fields now open before you. Let little companies go forth to do the work to which Christ appointed his disciples. Let them labor as evangelists. See, it's not just medical missionaries. It's called medical missionary what? Evangelists. Remember, we got to wear both hats. Scattering our publications and, and, and talking of the truth to those they meet. Let them pray for the sick, ministering to their necessities, not with drugs, but with nature's remedies and teaching them how to regain health and avoid disease. Several things. Dr. Vife talked about a time when things are going to go plumb nuts. Right? I remember it in New Orleans um, when Katrina hit and folks didn't have water. People shooting people over water. Shooting people just to have water. But what's going to happen when things totally collapse and people are dependent on drugs, especially psychotropic drugs? 
It's really going to go nuts. But the most important thing is look at your mission. What is God giving you as a mission? One, to be a medical missionary. It's not to be left to committees, but you individually. God has asked you, whether you're sitting here or you're sitting over in, in Africa or in India or wherever you're watching today, God has asked you to be a medical missionary. Why? Because He wants to save people. He wants to use you as a tool to introduce them to Him. And this is the most effective way. It's, it's exciting. Mary Lou and I have so much fun. As, as you're there and someone comes in just plumb sick and you sit down with them and you help them and God heals and you see them think so much better. It's amazing the people that come in and they say how much more discernment they have. How much more they can understand God's word now because of what they're doing. We've got a lady, you know, it's just person after person after person. They'll say, I can understand God talking to me now. It's exciting, y'all. God has asked you to be a medical missionary. I encourage you to embrace it. And I'm just trying to share you some tools and how to do it. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're busy. Satan's got us plumb busy. We don't have time to learn this new stuff. Or do we? Lord, show us how to take the time to learn how to be medical missionaries. Because that person you put before us next week on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, maybe every day and several each day that we could have pointed to you, but we weren't able to because we didn't have the tools to do it. We're talking life or death. Help us see the urgency. The urgency in the matter and the urgency in time that we're dealing with today. Your son is coming soon. There's not much time for these people. They're jumping off the bridges. Help us to go grab them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If this episode impacted you, Please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.